0: in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned, at the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Acts, chapter 26. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney.
1: God is a powerful and awesome God. We know from Isaiah, As we studied the book of Isaiah, if you were with us, Isaiah, we pointed out that in the book of Isaiah and even in history and in science, as we can see, the Bible teaches us that God calculates the dust of the earth in measure. And God, he's so awesome. God weighs the mountains. God is so awesome. It is estimated, listen at this, it is estimated that the universe contains 40 billion galaxies and in each galaxy there are 100 billion stars of which God knows the name of every one of them. People come up to me, remember I met you last week? Remember my name? And I go, sorry, I'm not God. God. Knows the names of a hundred billion stars. I'm just trying to put this in perspective for you in how great and awesome is our God. He really is. The Hubble telescope, get this, has found star clusters 11 million light years from the earth. A light year is 5.8 trillion miles. Quasars have been found 2 billion light years from the earth. It was Job chapter 26 verse 7. It says that God stretches out the north and he hangs the earth upon nothing. The Bible says that God hung the earth on nothing and then he sits on the circle of the earth don't y'all know that God knew the earth was round before folks found out? <laughs> They're trying to figure out something God already got to figure out. If you would just read your Bible, you would learn a lot of stuff. God sits on the circle of the earth. And the Bible says that while he's sitting there, he looks down on us and he sees us as grasshoppers. King Agrippa, why do you think it is an incredible thing for God to raise the dead. We are talking about a big and awesome and mighty God. Listen, if God can do all of that, do you think that he could raise the dead? You think? If God can do all that, do you think he can pay your CPNL bill? Say amen. amen. Of course he can. Because he's God. Because he is God. If God can create everything that we see, Everything we see, everything that you see, you go to the ocean and you look at the ocean, how vast it is. And as far as you look, it just looks like it drops off. You go to the Grand Canyon, you've got that big hole in the dirt. You go to the mountains and they're like, oh. And the Himalayas. And then Mount Hermon in Israel. And all around, everything that you see, God created it. Genesis chapter one, verse one says, "In the beginning, God." Stop right there. In the beginning, God. I'm gonna say that again in case you were asleep. In the beginning. Now look, if you can handle Genesis one one, then you can handle everything else in the Bible. Well, I just can't believe a a man lived in the side of a inside a whale. That seems impossible. A whole Egyptian army was drowned in the Red Sea. Phuwi. I don't even know where Phuwi came from. I have no idea. What was, what was that? I haven't said that, and God knows I'm dating myself now. I told you I've been 26 for 20 years, and uh, I can't believe all these miracles in the Bible. No, I can't believe it. Listen, you believe Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God? Yeah well, then why can't you handle the rest of the Bible? If you can believe Genesis 1-1, in the beginning God, then why do you think it an incredible thing that God can do anything? Because he's a God who can do anything. And Paul says, King Agrippa, this is the God I'm trying to tell you about, a God that can do anything. And then Paul goes on to say, notice in your Bibles in verse 10, Paul says, I did many things contrary to the name of Jesus. And I went around wasting and imprisoning the saints. Do you see that in verse 10? The saints, you see that? If you're taking notes, you write this in, the, in your margin. The word saint means separated ones. The word saint is the Greek word hagiadzo. It means sanctified ones or separated ones. Now, listen, saints are not little statues that you people have in churches or that you put on your dashboard. Now, if you're from a Catholic background, you know what I'm saying. Stay, saints aren't little statues in churches and little figurines on your dashboard. The Bible says, listen closely, who's a saint? The Bible says if you are saved and you've been born again, then you are a saint. And if you are not saved and you have not been born again, then you are ain't. You understand? Say amen if you understand. Okay, because look, 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 look. The Bible keeps it nice and simple and clean and clear. Because I don't get it. You know, there's two classes of people on the earth. There are saints and there are, you guessed it, ain'ts. You either a saint or you a what? Ain't. Can you believe you came to church to learn that? (laughs) It's amazing what you can get out of church. There's saints in there. And and listen, there's no super saints either. Because I know when I first became a Christian, I thought some people were super saints. And they were just deep and holy. You know, I went to a church. I'm learning to be a little more politically, a little more correct because I'm more radio. I went to a church. And, and and there was all the deep saints. Deep, 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 child, deep. <laughs> they were deep. They were and you see them walking around the church, they were just holy. And it's like, mm-hmm. <laughs> How you doing today? Fine, hallelujah. They've <laughs> like been sucking on lemons for Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> hallelujah. Like I, I was like, man, are there super saints? I mean, you know, they're gonna bust out y'all super saints, you know. <laughs> And I'm like, what is that? You know, and I I used to think there were some people more holy than others. Listen, in God's eyes, in God's spiritual economy, you know Jesus, you are a saint, period. There's no super saints. There's no deeper life club. (laughs) Card carrying member of the deeper life club. No. No. I praise God for that, because everybody's on equal footing at the cross. You understand that? I'll wait. Go ahead. I'll wait. That's a wonderful thing. That's a wonderful thing. Everybody's the same. Nobody's more spiritual than anybody else. Nobody gets priority treatment in the kingdom. There's no RSVP. There's no ballet parking in the kingdom. Somebody say amen. Everybody's the same. I love that. I love that. I love that about this church. Everybody's the same. Nobody's super anything. Paul says, Mom, stop laughing. Mom. Paul says, Hey, Paul says, I remember when I persecuted the saints. You know, as you study the Bible and you study the book of Acts, you can see that Paul never forgot the fact that he persecuted the saints. The fact that he killed many of our brothers and sisters. And I suspect, and maybe a little sanctified imagination here, I suspect that when Paul gets to heaven and he sees some of those saints that he persecuted and that he killed, he's probably going to walk up to him and say, I'm sorry, I did that in ignorance. I didn't know. Paul says, I persecuted the saints. Well, pray for me. Look at verse 12. Y'all praying for me? Please pray. I got to cover this whole chapter Look at verse 12, if you're there, say amen. And thus, and while thus occupied, Paul goes on to share his testimony. Remember, he's standing before King Agrippa, Bernice, and all of these people. And while, and he goes on to say, and while thus occupied, as I journeyed to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priest, he says, at midday, O king, along the road, I saw a light from heaven, brighter than the sun. Paul says, this is what happened to me. It was shining around me and those who journeyed with me. And when we all had fallen to the ground, I heard a voice speaking to me, saying in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting? Note this, me. Jesus said, me, not why are you persecuting the church or the saints? Why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. And so I said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. But rise and stand on your feet. For I have appeared to you for this purpose to make you. Here's why Jesus appeared to Paul to make you a minister. And to make you a witness of both those things which you have seen and of those things which I will yet reveal to you. And I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom I now send you. And I've also saved you that you might open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan To the power of God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins, that they may receive an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. And Paul says, therefore, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to this vision, but declared first to those in Damascus and in Jerusalem and throughout all the region of Judea. And then to the Gentiles that they should note this saints repent, turn to God and do works that are befitting of repentance. Repentance. For these reasons, the Jews seized me in the temple and they tried to kill me, Paul said. Therefore, having obtained help from God, to this day I stand. I obtained help from God, and to this day I stand. Man, you can't stand without God's help. Witnessing both to small and great saying no other things and those which the prophets and Moses would 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 come said would come that the Christ would suffer, that he would be first to rise from the dead and would proclaim light to the Jewish people and to the Gentiles. And now in verse 24, as he had thus made his defense, Festus said, notice he cried out, Paul, you are beside yourself. Much learning has made you crazy. In the Greek language, it says, Paul, you are one fry short of a happy meal. It's there. Go read it. Much learning has driven you mad. But he said, I'm not crazy. Most noble Festus. But speak the words of truth and reason. For the king before whom I also speak freely, he knows these things. For I am convinced that none of these things escape his attention since this thing was not done in a corner. All of Rome knew about it. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know that you believe. And then Agrippa said to Paul in verse 28, saints, are you looking at it? Would you read it with me? You almost persuade me to become a Christian. And Paul said, I would to God that not only you, but also all who hear me today might become both almost and altogether such as I am, except for these handcuffs. <laughs> well, when he had said these things, the king stood up as well as the governor and Bernice and those who sat with him, so when they stood up, they're like, okay, it's over, done, I'm done hearing you. Over, we're done. And when they had gone aside, they talked among themselves, saying, This man is doing nothing deserving of death or chains. And then Agrippa said to Festus, This man might have been set free, in verse 32, if he had not appealed unto Caesar. Saints, stop right there. Give me your attention. You want to notice that Paul says, I want to bring your attention to a couple of points as we try to wrap it up here. Paul shares his testimony. Are you listening? Paul shares his testimony. And then Paul says, King Agrippa, of all that happened to me, you can go back and read it in Acts chapter 9, actually, where Paul talks about his experience on the road to Damascus. And it was on the road to Damascus that Paul says, Jesus shows up and Paul says, who art thou, Lord? Lord? You see, I I believe this. I believe that Paul on the road to Damascus, that wasn't his first encounter with Jesus, nor with the Holy Spirit. What do you mean, Rodney? Well, I believe that back in Acts chapter seven, don't you remember when Stephen was being stoned and Stephen preached a sermon? Go read it in your own time. Stephen preached a sermon that completely dismantled the Judaism and legalism of the Jewish people. And it was at that time as they were hurling these rocks on the head of Stephen that the Bible says that Stephen looked up and he saw Jesus standing at the right hand of the father to receive him. And then it was Stephen who said, Jesus, don't hold this to their account. Forgive them, Lord. And while Stephen, the first martyr of the church, was being stoned, Paul, the apostle at that time, his name was Saul, was standing there consenting, giving the thumbs up for Stephen's death. And I really believe, saints, listen, it was at that time that the Holy Spirit began to tap on the door of Paul's heart. And it was at that time that Paul continued to kick against the goats. Paul began to resist the work of the Holy Spirit in his life. As he saw Stephen and heard Stephen and the Holy Spirit began to knock on the doors of his heart. And that's why Jesus showed up and said, Saul, it is hard for you to kick against the pricks. Saul, you're only hurting yourself. Saul, you are as stubborn as an ox and you're hurting yourself. And it was at that point that the Holy Spirit began to work on him so that when he is on the road to Damascus, are you listening? When he was on the road to Damascus and Jesus shows up and says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting thou me? He was, he then said, who art thou, Lord? Like in hell, you're the Lord that the Stephen was talking about. Who art thou, Lord? And Jesus said, Saul, I'm going to use you. You got to stop hurting yourself. You know, there's some people here this morning, this afternoon, you're kicking against the pricks. You're hurting yourself. Jesus wants you to just stop You're stubborn as an ox. The Bible said that, not me. You're stubborn as an ox. Jesus wants you to stop. And so Paul's on the road to Damascus. He's telling them exactly what happened. And then he says, King Agrippa, he says, I wasn't disobedient to the heavenly vision. I'm now just obeying God and doing what God wants me to do. And I'm preaching the gospel to the Gentiles. And a part of the gospel to the Gentiles is this gospel message of repentance. Repentance, what does that mean? It means to turn around and go a different direction. The word repentance means to change your mind. It means that I'm following, I've am following. i been following Satan, now I'm going to turn around and do a 180 degree turn, and now I'm going to follow Jesus. It means to do a 180, not a 360. Are y'all with me? <laughs> okay, because a 360 would what? Put you right back to where you are, okay? Get, I want to do that. Right. You want to begin to follow Jesus. You want to begin to turn around. Paul says, that's the gospel message. And this gospel message of repentance, he says, I told it to the Gentiles that they might do works that are befitting of repentance. Befitting, notice, of repentance. In other words, saints, listen, when you truly repent, works are going to follow that prove that you are truly repentant. How often have we all seen people come down front, give their life to Christ, they're crying, they got the tissues, they're wiping their nose and blowing it. Oh, Jesus, hallelujah. And then Monday, Tuesday, give them a week or two and they write back doing whatever it is they were doing prior to even saying they knew him. That's not works fitting of repentance. And that only proves that you really didn't give your life to Christ. Maybe it was an emotional moment. But you didn't really give your life to Christ, because when you really give your life to Christ, I'll tell you something. You will start, we will start, folks will start seeing works that are befitting of repentance. And, you know, we're always like looking, well, I mean, maybe they just lost their salvation. No. Maybe they never had it. You can't, you can't, yeah, you can't, you cannot... Gauge a person whether they got saved or not. You, it's not like you know. You know what? I wish it ain't gonna happen. But I wish that when folks really, really got saved, that they like turn a different color or something. <laughs> I don't know. Pick a color. Pick like purple or something because royalty or I don't know whatever. And when you get saved, and you really are born again. All of a sudden, there ain't no black folks. They ain't no white folks. They purple folks. <laughs> Say amen. Yeah. I don't know where that came from. Anyways. <laughs> But, but, you know, but, but we can't gauge that. The only way we can gauge whether a person is truly saved or not is if we see works that are befitting of repentance. Well, they used to go here. They used to do that. They used to look this way. And now they do this and they do this. They go to church all the time and they go to Wednesday night. Why would anybody go to Wednesday night church unless they were doing works befitting of repentance? So there's a and Paul says, This is my message. And as Paul was giving that message, did you notice that King Agrippa, or pardon me, Festus, who wanted to know more about what was going on with Paul, when Paul began to break it down, he stopped him. Mid sentence and said, Paul, you have lost your mind. And Paul says, Festus, listen, I'm not crazy. I speak the words of truth. Paul says, Festus, you might not be familiar with this, but King Agrippa knows what I'm talking about. Nothing has escaped him. Nothing was done in the corner. Everyone in Rome knew about it. Jesus had followed followers of thousands of people. This was big news. And Paul says, King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know you believe. And then Agrippa said to Paul the saddest eight words to ever grace the pages of the Bible. When Agrippa said, you almost persuaded me to be a Christian. Those are the saddest words to ever, because listen, because do you realize that, that, that eternity is wrapped up in this word. Almost eternity is because when Agrippa died, he didn't say, God, let me in. I almost got saved. You knew that Agrippa didn't say, Let me in because Paul almost had me on the hook. You know, that would be like saying the parachute almost opened. That's why I titled this sermon almost doesn't count. Oh, that would be like saying the plane almost had a safe landing. The bulletproof vest almost worked. The cure almost worked. The heart surgeon almost kept my heart going. Almost doesn't count. Almost won't get you into heaven. Listen to me and listen close. Tune in. A person who almost gets to heaven will spend eternity in hell. There is no in between. You are either saved or you are lost. To be almost saved is to be totally lost. To be almost saved is to be totally lost. There's no in between. And what a blessing for Bernice, Festus, and King Agrippa to have Paul the apostle, the greatest preacher bar Jesus, the greatest preacher to ever walk the earth. Paul is standing there giving his testimony, and preaching the gospel. They hear it from the mouth of Paul, and at the same time, we don't have any record throughout all of history that they ever really gave their lives to Christ. We don't even know whether they gave their lives to Christ or not. God loved them enough And God's heart was to bring them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to the power of God. And what God, listen to me, and what God did for them, God wants to do for us. God wants to bring us from the power of Satan to the power of God. All God wants to do is get a hold of us before death. Because once history ends or your personal history ends, when you breathe your last breath, you and you have not been born again, you are lost forever. All God wants to do is get his hands on you, listen, before you slip into eternity. That's all God wants to do. Somebody once said it like this, born once, die twice. Born twice, die once. What? Born once, die twice. If you are born in this world, born once, and you never receive Christ in your life, you will die twice. You will die a physical death, and you will die a spiritual death. If you are born twice, you will die once. If you are born into the world, which you are, and you are just like Jesus told Nick, who came to Jesus that night, Nick at night. If you're born twice, you're born in the world, and Jesus said to Nicodemus, You must be born again. You'll die once, physically, but your soul and your spirit will live on into eternity. Born once, die twice. Born twice, die once. The Bible is very, very clear about that. And when you die, not if you die, but when you die, I pray you don't find yourself facing eternity saying that Rodney guy almost persuaded me to become a Christian. I hope you don't say that and you can't say that. You know, i close with this. Listen, close. A history teacher would regularly tell his class, listen, a history teacher tells his class, you can take this class one of two ways, seriously or over. <laughs> Amen. And listen, I don't even know how to go from there. I don't even, how do I go from there? Listen, we need to take our life and our decision for Christ seriously because you don't get to take it over.